Assalamu alaikum, everybody, and welcome to our new episode of Muslima Podcast, Eid Mubarak. I hope you all ha- had an amazing Eid. Um, today, we're going to do something a little bit different than our usual. So here with us today, we have my friend Amna. And instead of talking about a modern day Muslima, we're going to head into the past to a figure who is very important to us um, in Islamic history, Hajar. Hajar is Ibrahim salam's wife. And the reason we decided to talk about her today is because it's the hijjah and her actions um, really get implemented into the hajj pilgrimage so let's get started Assalamu alaikum, Amna. Um, I'm so happy to have you on here. Um, Amna is a friend of mine from NYU, and she recently did a presentation on hajjah so let's get started what can you tell me about her um, Rabbi Shrahi, Adri, Rayasali, Anri, Wahbal, Octet, and Milisani, if you call me, or visit me, Ilma. Um, so I guess it's important to understand like what context we're talking about Hajjah in. Um, usually when we talk about Hajjah, we're talking about her in context to someone, right? We know her as the wife of the Prophet Ibrahim Salam. We know her as the great, great, great uh, grandmother of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But um, I think today what I want to focus on is Hajjah um, as a figure herself and what she really, like the, her legacy um, for all of us and our birthright that she has established. Um, so I guess we can start talking about like how she came into of Ibrahim so how she um, entered his life and um, you may all know the story of um, when Ibrahim was thrown into the fire was stripped and thrown into the fire by his own people his own father and he was then um, he then left um, his home plate his hometown with his wife Sara um, and they reached um, Egypt right Africa and then were um, encountered the Fir'aun or the Pharaoh of Egypt, um, who had a liking um, for beautiful women, and he would then murder those uh, women's wives, uh, husbands. So um, Fir'aun thought that Sara was beautiful, and so um, he took her in. Um, and eventually, right, she made dua to Allah that um, he that Allah stops Fir'aun from approaching her, but that he does not kill her because if um, he did, if the Fir'aun died, then they would think that Sara is the one who killed him. So eventually, um, Fir'aun, you know, thought that Sara was a demon who was possessing him. Um, and he told them to leave. He told Ibrahim salam and Sara to leave, and in return gave them um, Hajar. Um, Hajar literally means um, Hajar literally means a reward, um, right? So it comes from Hajuki, which means here's your reward. So. Um, Hajar, there are some narrations that say Hajar was a slave, um, but um, now it is believed that if she was called a slave because um, in the biblical text they wanted to sort of minimize the 
um, like the Ismail, um, the, the lineage of Ismail. So she, we know that she was have been a slave, um, but we know that she wasn't of a high status in the palace. Um, so she could have been one of the daughters of Fir'aun, but Allah, Allah knows best. Um, so they took Hajar with them, and Hajar wasn't a believer yet, right? So it's, this isn't a story of a prophet being taken as a slave. This is a story of a woman who is in the house of Fir'aun and serving the Pharaoh. And they travel with Hajar, and Hajar observes the Iman, the belief of Ibrahim salam and Sarah. And she becomes a believer by witnessing it. So she, you know, you can really see just how elevated she was, right, when she went from being the servant of Fir'aun to being transferred to the servant of the household of the Prophet to being married to the Prophet Ibrahim a.s. Um, he takes her as a wife and they give birth to Ismail a.s. And really, like, it's so beautiful that Sara and Ibrahim a.s. did not have a child for all these years and Allah finally gave them Ismail. And it's also very important to mention the fact that Hajar was a black woman. And I think because the Quran doesn't really mention skin color, you know, because Islam doesn't divide people based off of um, these superficial um, characteristics, we don't really know what race she was. But since she was from Africa, we know she was black. And that's very important to emphasize because we don't really hear about black woman um, or black people in general in our Islamic history. Um, so we know that black women of our time inherit this birthright from Hajjah. So um, Ibrahim um, took Hajjah and Ismail to Mecca. So some narrations say that Sara was jealous of Hajjah for giving birth to Ismail and told um Ibrahim to take her to the furthest desert but we know that Ibrahim wouldn't do that since he spent so many years making dua for for a son for a child and he wouldn't just um, take Hajjah and his son to a desert just because Sara told him to so Ibrahim sets up a little area for them leaves them with dates and water and with great sadness he starts to walk away now imagine how painful this was for Ibrahim salam, right? All the du'as he had made for a child, and now he has to leave them in the desert. As he's walking away, Hajjah, like any human being, like any woman, right, would ask, what are you doing? Yeah, Ibrahim, where are you going? And he doesn't respond the first time. And she asks again, yeah, Ibrahim, where are you going? And he doesn't respond again. Ibrahim salam is overwhelmed with emotion and he can't answer her. In this moment, with these two questions, we see the humanity of both Hajar and Ibrahim salam. That she was a normal woman, just like many of us, right? I know that if I was in that situation, I would probably go off and chase him. And here she is seen doing something similar. She's asking him and running after him to understand why he's leaving him there. It isn't until she asks him, did Allah command you to do this? Right, and that she receives the answer, yes, that she's finally content, she's finally comforted, that this is Allah's command. And Hajar at that point 
does not say to him, well, in that case, do this or do that before you go and I'll forgive you. Hajar at that point has full conviction and full certainty that Allah is not going to lose his people. She says to him, Allah will not lose us. And so she has complete sakina, complete trust, and complete tranquility. But this wow. makes me wonder. Do you want to add something? Sorry. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um, I just wanted to say, like, I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation, you know? Um, yeah. That situation that she was put in, she had so much faith in Allah that she was like, okay, fine. Like, leave me in the desert. Leave me by myself, you know? Um, and that must have been so painful for the both of them, but they were able to do it um, because they had so much iman. So I just wanted to say that, like, that is something that we as women or even just as people in general should strive for. Like that level of faith where you know that Allah is going to take care of you. Like you're still taking action to, you know, secure yourself and like take care of yourself. But also having that trust in Allah is just so important. Yeah. And I think um, I think a lot of us can relate to this where we've had to let go of something in our lives. And a lot of the time, the reason why we were forced to let go of these things is because we place them for Allah in our hearts. And that's when it really hurts us and it hits us that we've done this and we've gotten to this point. And we now we need to return back Allah, which is our natural disposition and fitra anyways. Right. So, yeah. And I think what you mentioned about understanding that Allah will take care of you, but also not staying still is very important. And it's a very significant part of Hajar's story because once Ibrahim leaves her, um, she doesn't just sit there and wait for Allah to send, um, to send, you know, water or food from the sky. She starts running back and forth seven times. Um, and that's how we get the, the ritual and Hajj and Umrah of Sa'i, right? Which is when you go back and forth between Safa and Marwa seven times. Um, and finally, as she's running, um, she notices her son Ismail um, kicking his feet. And at that point, uh, Jibreel salam, comes down and strikes the ground. Um, and from his strike, even till, till, till today, we get Zamzam, right? And it's really important to note that Hajar was a true engineer, right? She noticed that if she hadn't carved out um, a well for the Zamzam or a pool for the Zamzam, the Zamzam would have covered the entire earth and it would have been gone, right? So she's an engineer in that she thought so far ahead. And not only that, but when the tribes of Yemen came to settle around her and they asked if they can take some water from Zamzam, um, from the Zamzam well, she said, you can, but this is my responsibility. So with what Allah gave her, she wanted to take care of it and be responsible for it. And so we know that she's a leader, she's an engineer, um, and she has complete trust in Tawakkul and Allah. And I think we can all really learn from that in our lives. But also, one thing I want to really emphasize is um, her running back and forth between Safa and Marwa. And the way I look at it in my life is, what am I running back and forth between to find my own sustenance? Like, what are the two mountains in my life? that I'm running back and forth? What is the Kaaba in my life that I'm doing tawaf around, right? And how do I rely on solely Allah for a, as a source of safety? 
how do I sacrifice that what I that which I need to for the sake of Allah? Um, and I think we all need to ask that question to ourselves in order for us to be elevated like Hajar was. And how was Hajar elevated? Um, you know, in her lowest point of being abandoned by her husband, um, of being alone in the desert, not having any water, not having any food later on, right? We know what comes after and that's the, that's Mecca, that's Medina, that's the Arab people, that's after her is the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, who comes from her legacy. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I really loved your reflection. Like, you know, what two mountains am I running in between? What, what is my Kaaba? And like, how can I, you know, depend on Allah to get to where I need to go? You know, um, I really love that reflection of yours. And I also love how, you know, you telling Hajar's story, it really shows how like multifaceted, like women are, you know, because sometimes in today's society, Muslim women are kind of seen as like this, like oppressed group that doesn't really do anything or say anything. And they just kind of like sit quietly, but like in the Quran, like Muslim women are given so many amazing qualities. You know, we don't usually hear a lot of the details, like how old they were or like their race. Like sometimes those things are not told, but like you said, like Hajid was an engineer. Like she was like, this is my responsibility. I need to make a well. Like I need to make sure this water gets to the people who need it. Also, she was kind, you know, she shared the water with the other Yemeni tribes that were coming around. Like she was like, no, this is not just for me. Like this is a blessing and I should share it with others. You know what I mean? So I think it just shows that there's so many different characteristics and so many different like, ways that the Muslim women are shown in the Quran that like we just don't appreciate enough so yeah thank you so much for sharing your reflections with us Amna it's my pleasure thank you for having me (laughs) of course do you have any last I guess I would say like pieces of advice for people to kind of like feel included on Eid day or like around these holy days like anything anything you that you have been doing just that has made you feel um closer to Allah so I think um, like what Haja really did right, and what she was forced into, but what we can do voluntarily is something called um, khalwa, which means seclusion. So finding whether you're single or you're married, if you're single, this is probably easier to do because you don't, you don't have children, but to find a time, a period of time within a day, within a week to just be you and Allah, right? Whether it's praying to rakah or um, reading Quran, doing dhikr, um, just being with Allah, trying to hear him, trying to understand him, trying to talk to him. And that in itself brings so much peace. Asking whatever you want, you know, repenting, whatever it is that you need to do and just find time to do that within the day and seclude yourself like Hajar did in order to elevate yourself, in order to recenter your heart um, and detach from this dunya and this world. And if you're married, you know, maybe collaborate with your spouse and try to find a time for yourself that you can take out, um, whether it's the time of the Hajjud, um, before or after Fajr, um, or, you know, any time during the day. I think that has been really helping me to just pour my heart out and cry all I need to and be with Allah. Wow. Yeah. And I think 
with quarantine, we have some time or, or some extra time to do that seclusion. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, why don't, we should take advantage of that while it's still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So thank you so much, Amna. Um, I really, I really benefited from your reflections and your, your telling of the story of Hajar. Um, and I think it's important to look back into our history because it's, it is so rich and beautiful. So thank you for helping me do that. And um, Eid Mubarak to everybody. Mubarak, everyone. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Muslima Podcast. Make sure to follow and subscribe and check out our Instagram at muslima.podcast. Thank you all and see you next week.